Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. friends, it is Danny J and I am in my Las Vegas studio, aka the bedroom at my parents' house sitting on the floor. <laughs> I'm going to be heading to LA this afternoon to see Jill, but this is going to be a solo episode and today I wanted to talk about therapy. I just went back to a therapist, a counselor, therapist, whatever you want to call them. And I posted about this on Instagram recently and even did a an email to my list about it. And I realized that it's actually a topic that I think is a little bit taboo. Sometimes people don't want to talk about going to therapy. They're ashamed or um, don't want, they want to go, but they, you know, are embarrassed about it. And I think that it's a great topic to dive into, especially for this podcast. And since I've talked about the depression before, I feel like this is way easier for me to talk about, quite honestly. Um, So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. And also I asked on Instagram for people to ask their questions about therapy and you guys had a lot and so many good ones. So I'm glad I did that because I'm not sure I would have touched on all of the things you wanted to know. So actually, one of the first questions was, did I have a paralyzing shame or fear of revealing that I was going as I'm in the self-help space? And to be honest, saying that I was going to therapy was so much easier than saying that I have depression. And I'm not sure why that is. I guess it's just a stigma around mental illness. And I think I'm afraid of the judgment of if people think that I am mentally unstable or have depression, that somehow I'm not capable. Um, Somehow I can't make good decisions. I'm not really sure, you know, where that comes from. I think maybe anybody who's, who struggles with depression or ADD or ADHD or OCD or any kind of mental illness, anxiety, I'm sure you guys can understand the, um, the underlying fear of admitting it or talking about it. And for me, therapy is very proactive and it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't have the attachment of I'm going to therapy because I have a problem or there's something wrong with me. For me, therapy is more like proactive. I'm doing something to work on myself or there's an issue that I need help in. And I almost look at therapy like coaching. Um, So yeah, I feel like it wasn't it's not really ever easy to talk about. And I wasn't really sure if I should. And then I was like, oh, why not? And um, and then just like I said, talking about the depression, that was so much harder that it's like, shit, I already ripped the Band-Aid off. So this is, for me, a lot easier to talk about. So the reason I went back into therapy, uh, kind of a little backstory uh, about 2015, I was struggling with some depression again. Uh, it seemed like PMDD, which is premenopausal dysmorphic disorder, which is basically like an extreme, extreme PMS. And I've never heard of it. um, But what happened was I was getting really suicidal for like a week before my period. And I didn't realize it until one day I just was, we had just gone out with friends, my husband and I, and uh, we had this amazing fun afternoon. And then I came home and I just laid on the bed, just tears streaming out of my eyes. And I was just like, I want to die. And I remember my husband going, like what, our life is so bad. And I was like, that's just the, like, we just had the best day. And I was like a wreck. 
And I was like, this is the problem. Our life is not so bad. I don't know what's wrong. I just like want to die. And I remember just thinking, not looking at the calendar that day and it was the 25th. And then I like within a few days I was fine. And then the next month, same thing. I was just a wreck and it happened to be on the 25th. And I was like, hmm. Then I looked at my app for my period and I was like, hmm. So I got on some medication, kind of started working with some hormone doctors and fixing that, got back off medication, but just worked with my hormones. And, um, but at the time I also decided I wanted to talk to a counselor because some other things were brought up, um, with, with our business and, and things like that. And so because I was traveling, finding a counselor was quite a challenge because if you, if you know, or if you've been in any kind of counseling before, most of the time you go to their office uh, sit on the couch. It's a lot like you see in the movies, although they don't always have the lay down couch, but it is like you sit in a chair, you sit in a couch and you just kind of shoot the shit with your counselor. So um, I wasn't sure. And I think I came across an ad online for a company called BetterHelp. And I actually have a link that will take you right to it. It's dannyj.com slash BetterHelp, but it is a fully online um, certified counselors, social workers, licensed marriage and family counselor, marriage and family counselors, all of that. And long story short, I ended up with one and uh, I think we worked together for maybe a month and a half or so, not too long, but just enough to get through some of my issues. And it's all via text, uh, text message slash email messaging. And so I, I guess I've always been in a place where counseling has been an option for me. And I think this goes back to my upbringing. I remember my parents, before they got divorced, they were going into marriage counseling. And it's always been something I think off and on my parents were in. And then I was kind of thrown into as well. When I got pregnant, I had a social worker who I worked with to find the parents of my daughter. And part of that, I guess, program was that I would also receive counseling. So I would go in with my boyfriend and we would talk to her and work on finding her parents. But then I would also have my one-on-one sessions with her. And I can say quite honestly, that counselor and social worker probably had one of the biggest impacts of my entire life of why I'm still here and why I even think the way I do. And she, I think, gave me such a good uh, experience with counseling that it has allowed me to continue to go forward and use it as a tool. And unfortunately, not everybody has such a great experience. And if your first one just doesn't pan out or it's not helpful or the person isn't the right person, it can kind of turn you off. And I, I think that's sad. And so I do, I did want to talk about this because I do think it's important that you know that there are really, really amazing counselors out there, but not everyone you get is going to be a good fit. It's a little bit like dating, I'd say. It's like you have to go on a date and kind of have the conversation and see if it's a good fit for you. And not everyone is. It's just the reality. Um, Some counselors are more faith-based. So if you are more in a faith religion and you prefer to have somebody look at things that way or have the beliefs that you believe, that's really important. Some are more science-based. Some are more, uh, I want to say, quantum physics, like law of attraction. And so there's different types of therapy. There's different ways that people interact with you. And so it's really important to find a good counselor. And we'll talk about how that looks too. But anyway, um, my first counselor, I think she was so amazing. And one of the things she did was she really challenged me and she challenged my beliefs and she challenged me to think different and she gave me homework and she gave me things to do. And I think a good counselor is going to do those things for you. 
So I was, of course, pregnant, 15, 16, having a lot of issues at home. And so I would come in with, you know, just had a fight with my mom and she's doing this. And, and so, you know, I was the victim and everybody hated me and the world was against me. And I remember my counselor uh, gave me a book to read, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And I was, I was 15 or 16 and I, I read it. She made me read it, come back, basically give her a book report summary. What was it about? So I told her and she's like, nope, go read it again. And I was like, oh my God. So I read it again and I was like, I just don't get it. I don't, want your, I don't know what you're trying to get out of me, what it's about. And ultimately the message of the book, at least for her, the one she wanted me to get was that it doesn't like you, we get to choose our thoughts and we get to choose how we look at things. And so this man was in, he was in the Holocaust in these concentration camps and he was a psychiatrist, I believe. And he was observing the people who he saw would survive and live and who would die. And also he said he could start to see who was going to die like right away, you know, if they weren't going to make it. And he noticed that the people who made it, the people who survived were the ones who were able to not let these soldiers like get into their brains. He was like, they took away my clothes. They took away my hair. They take away everything, but they can't take away how I think. They can't take away what my thoughts. And so he could control that. So ultimately it was a lesson for me because I was in the middle of thinking like my parents are the problem and the world is the problem and everyone is the problem. But she turned it back on me to share that I had the tools of how I wanted to think about that and how I wanted to process it. And she'd also give me tools to communicate better with my family. Um, in instances of fights or arguments, she gave me ways like, how could you see it from your mom's perspective? How can you see it from this other person's perspective? And I think a good counselor is going to give you those tools and give you um, an unbiased opinion of what's going on in your life because sometimes we are in the middle of it, right? I, I think about it like this. I remember this happened many times where I'm searching around for my uh, sunglasses and I'm like, where are they? I try to leave the house, searching around, and they're like on your head, right? Or your keys, they're, you're looking everywhere and they're in your hand or your phone. I remember looking for my phone and I was literally talking to my friend on the phone. I'm like, I have to go. I don't know where my phone is. And it's literally right up to my ear. I'm on it. So I think that sometimes it takes that other person to go, yo, dude, your phone's in your hand, idiot, you know, or your sunglasses are right on your head or your keys are in your hand. And that person is the, your counselor or your therapist is that person who can go, okay, yes, I see what you're saying, but let me give you this perspective because I don't have any emotional attachment to your story. I'm just an outsider looking in and here's what I see. And a lot of times that perspective is just exactly what we need to make a change. And if we even if the perspective itself doesn't, it allows us to open up a different conversation. So how I decided to get into counseling recently was I was giving a workshop in Scottsdale, Arizona to some hairdressers and the workshop was really about rewriting your story. And I really believe that we have the opportunity to we, I think we tell ourselves stories all the time. We have beliefs, you know, maybe we're saying, well, I didn't go to college. That's why I don't make good money. Or I'm just a mom. That's why I can't do this. Like we, we make up stories that 
aren't really true. And so I have a workshop that I do and I help people go through those things and like shift their stories and shift their beliefs. And I was in the workshop talking about these stories and I remember just right in the middle, I was like, oh my God, I just realized this story that I have been telling myself. It was very unconscious and it didn't even come to me until I was in the middle of the workshop. And I said it right there and I was very embarrassed to say it to these women. But I said, I just realized that I have been telling myself a story that I can't date or be with a man and be successful. Like I can't be with a man and make more money than him because it's going to make him feel bad about himself or ruin the relationship. And underneath that was that I had a belief that I ruined my marriage because of my success. Because if you go back to the affair episode, episode two and episode three, when I first found the text on my um, husband's phone, uh, I remember, of course, the first thing is just like, why? How did this happen? What are you doing? And I remember saying like, why? And the first thing he said was, you don't need me. And I was like, what? And he's like, you just don't need me. And I was like, yeah, but I want you. And I remember just a couple weeks before he was making some kind of jabbing comments about me making some money. I was really excited that I got a lot of money for doing a Facebook post and I was like pumped about it. And I mean, opportunities were just coming in. It was a really amazing time in our business. We were growing, we were hitting goals. We were, you know, going to be crossing quarter of a million dollars. And I was like, this is so exciting. And it was like, I realized I was doing a lot of that work and he wasn't bringing in as much. And so when he said, you don't need me, I was like, damn, okay, yeah, I don't, but you know, here I am. And then I got thrown out into the dating pool and I kind of talked to different guys. And of course, I think we always find evidence for what we want to believe. But I remember even asking some guys, I was like, what would you feel like if your wife made more money than you? And a lot of guys were like, I wouldn't like it. And so I began this story that I couldn't make more money than a man um, and that I needed to do less. And what started to unfold over the next two and a half years was that every time I was going to do a launch for one of my products or services, there would be some kind of tech issue or a major health issue or something would come up. It, like, it was like subconscious sabotage over and over again. And I didn't want that to be the case. I needed to be making money. I'm like, I'm going broke here, y'all. Like I had a lot of money coming out of the um, marriage and things were going well, but I kind of just stopped working. I stopped doing anything. I started to lose my confidence and my ability. I started losing my confidence and my ability to sell. And then not only that was about a year ago, I was I made a conscious choice that I wanted to be open to a relationship again. And I wanted to be open to love again. And at the same time, my subconscious was saying, I also can't be more successful than a man. And so when I'm having these competing, you know, thoughts and beliefs, what happens? Sabotage happens. Things don't work out. Either I can't find a guy that can handle me or I start sabotaging my own work and business, which was what was happening. And so in the middle of that workshop, as I was saying this, I was like, holy shit. Wow. I've been telling myself this story. So of course, you know, I did all of my own, um, my own rewriting story things. And I kind of was trying to work through that on my own. But uh, a good friend of mine, Natalie Hodson, hopefully she'll be on the podcast soon. She was doing EMDR therapy. And I had actually heard of EMDR through Shalene Johnson years ago. And I had always wanted to do it. 
and uh, Natalie was having great uh, results with EMDR. And I thought, you know what, maybe I want to do EMDR with this in particular. And EMDR, gosh, I want to say it's called, it's eye movement something desensitization. And basically, I didn't really know what it was. I just looked up an EMDR therapist and went in. So EMDR is supposed to really be for people who've gone through a trauma. And while there are so many worse traumas than what I went through, um, you know, people in the military and sexual assault survivors and domestic abuse and all of that, obviously, big trauma. But I did go through a trauma because that moment and the moments that happened after I found the text on my ex-husband's phone were seared into my brain. And what my therapist explained to me was that, you know, we have so many memories, right? And traumatic memories are just stored in your brain. Like we all remember 9-11, where we were that day, what we were doing, who we were talking to. But do you remember what you were doing on September 11th last year? Probably not, right? We, we have certain memories that stay because they are attached to this trauma. And so when I was explaining the day um, that I found the text, she was like, well, tell me how that looked. And I was like, I know exactly. I walked through the grass and I picked up the phone and I threw it across the lawn and I was in the bathroom and, you know, like all the things, there was so much emotion attached to it and like vividness. And I remember the exact words that were said. I mean, I can't remember a conversation I had 10 minutes ago, let alone three years ago, but this instance was stuck in my brain. And she said, what happens is, you know, when it comes to these kind of stories, these subconscious things, they get lodged, they get stuck in your subconscious and they kind of turn into this um, uh, loop, like a feedback loop. So you constant, you can't really get out of it. So your brain is just stuck in this constant loop and it's not your fault. It's just what happens. And so, you know, while I was telling her, I'm like, I'm going through all these things and I, I know, and I teach this stuff, but I cannot seem to get out. Like I feel so stuck. I'm really, really stuck on this, my work and feeling like overwhelmed and I need to launch this product and I get stuck with it and I start like I'll sit down to write and then I just can't and then I distract myself and I'm like I can't do this anymore like I need to move out of it and so we and I don't know what I've heard with different EMDR is like they do something like they wave something in front of your eyes and you watch um I don't know kind of like maybe like I imagine when the old hypnotherapy cartoons when they wave a clock in front of your eyes but what she did to me was she gave me two paddles um that I held in my hands and they vibrated and so they would kind of alternate right, left, right, left. And so what we did was we go through this traumatic um, moment. And she said, okay, give me a, like on a scale of one to 10, what's the emotion? I'm like, it's like a 12. It's very high, highly reactive. And she said, okay, talk me through it. What's happening? What are you feeling? What are the emotions? Like, and I'm saying emotions like anger, betrayal, um, shock, um, you know, all confusion, uh, embarrassment. And we're working through that. And these, these paddles are going back and forth. And then she turns them off and she goes, okay, where are you at now? And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm like at a six. That's kind of weird. And we keep working through this. And, you know, by the time we got to the end, I was like, I'm kind of talking about this with no emotion attached. You know, at first I was talking, like I couldn't talk. I was choking up with emotion talking about this event. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and she was explaining that when this kind of loop happens, the right side of your brain and the left side of the brain are kind of... Um, they're just, they're wired, they're stuck together. And so with these uh, 
electrodes or whatever they are. The electrodes are kind of like scrambling, um, scrambling the right side, the left side of the brain and kind of untying this mess and tying this like stuckness. And I'm trying to explain it in the least scientific way. So it makes sense to you. It's kind of how it made sense to me. And so I wanted to work through that. Um, and there were a few other, in, there were a few other things and I'm not going to get to specific. It's confidential, but just to give you an idea of why I went there. And I'm still going. Um, I'm actually going today. And one of the main reasons I went was I told her, and this is a big, big reason, was A, one, I needed to get through this because my business depends on it. My livelihood depends on it. And B, I also wanted to deal with things that maybe subconscious patterns or beliefs that I had that I didn't want to drag into a new relationship. I'm like, i I was looking into this counseling um, actually before I met my boyfriend and uh, went with a counselor, ended up not liking her, stopped. And then I did the EMDR a few months later. But I was like, I want to be in a relationship this year. I want to deal with some stuff so that I don't go into a relationship bringing in baggage, um, punishing my new partner for what my ex did and all of those things. And so that was my big intention was to not bring in baggage and to also work through this story that I had. And so that's kind of how I ended up, uh, ended up there. So let's go back to like the big, big question is, well, actually one question somebody asked me was, did I have any paralyzing shame or fear of revealing it as I'm in the self-help space? And the irony is that, um, no, I didn't. Um, because, I already talked about the depression and that was way, way harder for me to talk about. Talking about therapy was like, not such a big deal. Um, I don't necessarily want to talk about everything that I'm talking with my therapist with you guys, um, but I don't have any issues saying that I'm doing it um, because for me, it's proactive. It's It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. I think people go to therapy or see coaches for all kinds of things. And, and I guess I do want to mention um, talking about the difference between like a coach and a therapist and maybe what you would go to one or the other for like a life coach versus a therapist. But it didn't bother me to talk about that. I think it's really important. I think a lot of very successful people are in therapy. I think a lot of people who are, um, yeah, I actually really do. I would say more often than not. I think it's because they know that there's things they need to work on and they know there's things, there's things that they can always get better. And for me, um, it's always a, it's a tool. And when I, I have, I am so blessed and so lucky to have so many tools to, to have learned so much, to have read a lot of books and to have tried many things. And sometimes all those things don't work and you have to try something new. And I think that's important to know as well. Like, okay, maybe if you, even therapy might not work. So then what would be the next thing for me? I might try a different, um, I might try something alternative. Uh, ayahuasca was even part of that. Um, that was something that was to get into the subconscious and to kind of help process through some emotions. And I don't think there's a one size fits all. And I definitely don't think there's a one size fits all for every um, circumstance. Some things maybe don't require therapy. Maybe they just require a good conversation with the girlfriend and processing. So um, yeah, I wasn't too scared to talk about it. I wasn't really talking about it. And I was kind of like, huh, I wonder why. And I thought maybe it was a good idea to share. And it, I do feel better sharing about it now that I've been to a few sessions and I feel like it's um, I've had some progress and it's been working. 
the other, another question was, how does my new boyfriend deal with such a deep emotional thing so early in the relationship? And I can see this, um, you know, being scared if you're dating or if you're new out there to try, even if you're with your husband that you've been with for a long time and saying, Hey, I want to see a therapist. Cause there could be this fear, right? Suddenly people are like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Like what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Um, is she not stable? And luckily with Jeff, um, we went deep really fast <laughs> and in a way it was kind of unintentional, I suppose. It was like, you know, I, I know I wanted to be in a relationship and I wasn't sure where he stood exactly, but I'm like, you know, all I know is that I've been in relationships before where there's been secrets and when they come out later, it never feels good. Um, it always feels like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? And at the very beginning, I told him to listen to the podcast. I had him listen to episode two about the affairs. I had him listen to episode 18 and 19 about the adoption. And I had him listen to episode 30 about the depression. So I'm like, here you go. Like here is basically all the shit you need to know about me. So after you listen to those podcast episodes, if you still want to stick around, let's talk. And so he listened to all of it and he knew all of it early on. And I think that was good. And also to be honest, he's been through a lot himself. And so it's, I guess for me, I felt, um, I thought that I wanted to be with somebody who's been through some stuff, who gets it. Um, I don't think that people are looking for perfect people. We all try to put on a facade and be perfect, but the reality is I think people want someone to be real and they want someone to show up the way they are. And the bottom line is if somebody can't handle me and my all of this stuff, um, then they're not the person for me because ultimately, yes, this has been my past and this has been my story, but I'm actively working on getting better all the time. And so if somebody's going to judge me for that and not judge me for the actions I'm taking now, then that's not somebody I want to be with. And so he's actually very, very supportive. In fact, we've been traveling a lot and this new therapist is in Las Vegas and I haven't been in Vegas a lot and we've made extra efforts and he's made extra efforts to make sure that we that I get an appointment. So we were actually going to Phoenix when we did the nude bike ride and uh, we were supposed to fly out of LA, but we made it a point so that we drove to Vegas. I had a counseling appointment. We went to Phoenix, uh, Portland, and then we flew back to Vegas. I had another counseling appointment before we drove back to LA. So not only has he been great about it, but he's also been super supportive and he's also been holding me accountable to make, I'm said it was a priority and he's like, I want to make sure that you make it a priority and don't get distracted by me. So I have been really, really lucky with that. So I'm going to get into some of the questions that you guys asked, and uh, I think these are really good. Somebody asked, how hard or easy is it going and sharing with someone you don't know? And I would say that this is going to be different for everyone. Like to just go to a stranger and talk about your stuff can be very, very difficult. And I think this is where a good therapist comes in. A really good therapist is going to ask you the right questions to start to get it out of you. And they're also going to make you feel very comfortable, very safe, not judged, so that it's you're not also putting on a front. And I, I will say this last counselor, um, the one I have right now, I told her there was a moment where she's, I feel like she's really cool. I feel like she's about my age. Um, I feel like we have a lot in common. And I feel like on the outside of therapy, we could be friends. And so I started to feel like I needed to um, like be DannyJ.com to her and like not tell her my shit. You know, I'm like, oh, she's going to like not think I'm that cool because we're the same age and we could like be friends. 
And then I, I told her that even, I said, you know what? <laughs> I had to tell myself, like, I'm paying to be here. I'm paying you to, to hear this stuff. And I'm paying you to help me. And for a moment, I almost wanted to hide some things from you because I want you to think that I'm not so messed up. And, <laughs> and it took a lot of vulnerability for me to say that. But I also have to question, I'm like, is she just really that fucking good? Like, would we actually be friends on the outside? Or is she just really good? Like, I think a really good counselor makes you feel that way. So, <clears throat> so I don't know. <laughs> but um, I would say that a good counselor should make you feel very safe. Um, they are bound by law to be confidential. You know, the place where I go, it's like there's a waiting room and there's switches on the doors and there's locks on the doors. And so there's really not a lot of opportunity for anyone to see you. Um, so if you're embarrassed or you're worried, you might run into somebody that knows you. It's at least at this particular office, it seems very safe. I've maybe seen one other person, but it's been so brief, like a quick walkout. So um, yeah, telling a stranger your stuff can be a challenge, but it's also like, who else are you going to tell that's like a vault, you know, and can really get there. So I think it's an amazing opportunity that you get to talk to somebody who's a stranger because they don't know and they're not going to, um, I don't know if they're not going to judge or give you advice that's shitty because, you know, they don't want to hurt someone's feelings or something like that. So the big, big question was, how do you find one? And um, back to, you know, me being online, BetterHelp, I think that's a great resource. Somebody asked um, someone who travels a lot, how do you find a therapist or how do you find one when you live in a rural area? I would definitely, if you're in a rural area, if you're traveling, look up BetterHelp. So go to dannyj.com slash BetterHelp. That way you can basically do Skype um, conversations, text conversations, but you can do it uh, far away, whatever it's called, uh, remotely. Yeah, that's the word. You can do remote. And the other way how you find one is, I think, first line of defense is referral. Um, asking, hey, does anybody know a therapist? Have you worked with anybody? Um, maybe people online. I remember hearing Drew Manning uh, talk about his therapist that really changed his life, and I had looked into working with her. I think referrals are always the best because you know if somebody has maybe a, a friend or a similar story to you and who's gone through something similar and who has someone good, referrals are great. The second is, you know, Google. For the lady I got now, I, I didn't have a referral and I really lucked out um, because to be honest, back in January, I went back on BetterHelp and I got somebody who I just did not like. It just wasn't working. The conversation wasn't flowing. I didn't like the question she was asking. And I was like, nope, this is not working for me. Like, I can't do, I can't do this. And so I was going to be assigned to another person on BetterHelp. And I kind of just quit for the moment. And then I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do this EMDR and give it a shot. So uh, I Googled EMDR therapist Las Vegas. And I figured that might be the big reason Las Vegas. I figured it'd be cheaper than LA to see a therapist. Bottom line. Um <laughs> And it's not cheap. Uh, it's a $130 a session. I would imagine in LA it's 200 to 250 So um, I figured even with if I had to fly to Vegas for 45 bucks, I'd still end up saving money going to a therapist in Vegas. So um, 
I Googled EMDR therapist Las Vegas, and then I looked at a lot of their credentials. Um, some of them are more specialized in family and marriage counseling. Some of them are more specialized in trauma. Some of them are more specialized in eating disorders. And so I looked up one. I think I chose her because she did have a little bit of trauma and marriage and family counseling because I felt like this had a little bit to do or a lot to do with my ex- my relationship. And I read some reviews. There were Google reviews on her and some people just said some great things and I just want to give it a shot. And I also wanted a female. So it just was kind of a shot in the dark and she might have sucked, to be honest, because uh, I've definitely had sucky ones. Um, after my my counselor, Stephanie, in high school left, she moved and got a promotion I got assigned to a new lady and she just, we didn't have the same vibe. And I ended up stop, I stopped going because it just wasn't helpful. I felt like we weren't getting anywhere. She wasn't really asking me the right questions. So um, I ended up with this gal here in Vegas. We, the first session was kind of a getting to know you. Why are you here? What do you think you need help with? Um, And then the second session was we started the EMDR and we've done that a couple times. And actually my last session, we did not. Um, so finding one, I'd say start there. Now, the next part is once you find someone, you make an appointment and then you go in, it's going to be kind of based on how you feel. And I would give it at least two sessions before you call it quits. But I would say you're going to get a pretty good feel at the beginning. If this person gets you, if they have the right idea of what you want, um, So quick thing, when Nate and I, when I found the text messages for the affair, I was like, let's go to counseling. And so I dragged him to a counselor, I think the second day. And I, before I went to that counselor, I looked up a marriage and family counselor and I wanted to make sure that they were pro-marriage. I didn't want someone who was, who we were going to go in and say, yeah, you guys should break up. This marriage is over. I wanted someone who was going to encourage us to work it out. And so (laughs) maybe that was a little conniving. I don't know. But I went to this counselor and I I was intentional about that. I wanted it to be somebody who was pro-marriage and who was like, work it out. And um, obviously didn't matter. That still ended. Funny thing enough was we split up and then Nate came back and then he brought me to the same counselor. <laughs> and because I think he was hoping, but yeah, long story short, didn't work. Um, but finding someone with your beliefs. So you may want to look for somebody who, like I said earlier, who's faith-based, who is um, more quantum-based, who specializes in EMDR, who specializes in hypnotherapy, who maybe does all of the things, EFT, which is called uh, tapping, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, Even Kelsey Heenan, we talked about on her episode, she said she was in something called family-based therapy. So there are lots and lots and lots of different types of therapy. And there's actually a question on here about, um, have you found or heard of any particular forms of therapy that are more effective than others? And I would say that there are forms of therapy that are more effective for specific things, but not, I don't think in general. So Maybe for trauma, there's EMDR or like PTSD, EMDR can be really um, beneficial, maybe more so than just like talk-based therapy or CBT therapy. Um, Hypnotherapy can be maybe more beneficial for things like bad habits, anxiety, smoking, like stopping smoking fears than just talking through it. So I would say depending on your 
quote issue or what you want to work on, you may want to try different therapies for that particular thing. So uh, finding the right one, I think, starts with referrals if you can. Second, Google searches and um, reviews. Uh, Somebody did mention that be careful about reviews because of confidentiality. A lot of people won't leave a review. So I think the other part is cost. Quite honestly, uh, cost can be prohibitive on seeking counseling. So you might have to go within your network and see if your insurance covers it. And a lot of insurances do cover some. So maybe start there with, if cost is a big issue, start with your covered providers and then go out of that for referrals and specifics. Um, Someone also asked, how do you find find the right one who's personal development oriented? Funny thing enough with my, my counselor now, Uh, I really didn't know anything about her, didn't have a lot to go on, but it's been really fun that we've had, we have a lot of similar beliefs. Um, We've had some conversations about books that we've read. She's asked me if I've read certain books. And so I feel like we're on the same page and it was just really kind of shot in the dark lucky. She is the kind of person that I like um, to work with me. She challenges me. She gives me some, uh, you know, things to do, ways to think about things. And so it just worked out really well. I would say if your counselor isn't giving you some kind of homework or challenging you, then you may want to try someone else. Um, and just to reinforce that you can change and you don't have to explain why. Uh, if just after one or two sessions you don't want to come back, don't come back and look for someone else. Or maybe you can even ask the therapist for another recommendation. Say, hey, you know what? I don't know if you're the right one for me. Um, I was actually looking for somebody who works more with, you know, eating disorders or food obsession or trauma um, or sexual-based trauma or, you know, childhood trauma. And do you have anybody else you can refer me to? And a good counselor will also have a lot of great referrals as well. So another person asked (laughs) or said, sometimes I have nothing to talk about. How do you prevent yourself from thinking you're okay enough and don't need to talk? And someone else said, how do you know what to talk about? So I think, again, I think a good therapist will have cues and kind of ask you the right questions, maybe like what happened that week or what you came in initially for. Uh, There are times when I have been, I've gone to counseling for a certain uh, thing and then I've been done. Like I felt like that was resolved. So If you feel like you've been going for a long time and you're running out of things to talk about, maybe it's just time to stop for a bit until maybe something else comes up that you need. So I moved to LA after my, when I separated from my ex and I started working with a coach. She's not a licensed marriage and family counselor. I was referred to her by a friend and she called her a relationship coach. And so I She really worked with me on talking about the feminine and the masculine and maybe understanding how and why things happened and why things ended the way they did with my ex. And then she had me practicing showing up different in new relationships and new going on dates. And it got to a point where I think that her goal and my goals were different. I think she wanted me to get into a committed um long-term relationship. And so she was having me do things on dates that were basically trying to get the man to commit to me. And I wasn't there. I was like, I don't want any commitment. I'm good with being a little bit casual right now. So I stopped working with her and it wasn't because she wasn't 
good. She was very good at what she did, but I just realized that her specialty was to help women get into committed relationships and I was not looking for that at the moment. So I I learned a lot from her. I learned so much about the uh, masculine and feminine and how they intertwine and I used a lot in dating um later, but I stopped working with her cuz it wasn't my goal to be in the relationship. So going back to like what are you talking what if you run out of things to talk about? You know, right now the gal I'm working with, we're getting close. I can tell there's maybe one or two more issues I still want to um, work on. And then I will probably be done, um, at least with her for a while, unless something else comes up for me. So if you feel like you have been going and you are in therapy and you don't know what to talk about anymore, then maybe it's time that maybe you're done. Or maybe it's time to look for another therapist because they're not digging and asking the right questions or challenging you the right way. This was a really good one that someone asked. If you've experienced trauma and you were too young to remember, can it affect you? And if so, can those issues be resolved? So this is, you know, I would go back and listen to the ayahuasca um, episode as well as Jerry, uh, who we interviewed at Rhythmia, because yes, if you've experienced trauma and you were too young to remember, it can absolutely affect you. If you don't remember Jerry's story, he went to do this plant medicine ceremony and he had erased from his memory, did not remember that his grandfather had um, been molesting him. And he didn't realize that if it was true and he went to ask his father and he said, you know, don't think you're so special, basically meaning he had done it to everyone in the family. And it was this big realization for him that no wonder why I don't trust people and why I'm angry and why I have these, like, uh, why I react the way I do to men and, and all of this stuff. So he realized that once he found that out, it had been affecting him and it had been affecting him his whole life. He just didn't know because he would, he basically was like, why am I an asshole? And once he found this, you know, saw this, uh, I don't want to say vision, but saw his past that this happened, he was like, it was like this click, click, click. Oh, no wonder. And so the second part of the question is, can these issues be resolved? Absolutely. I think things like hypnotherapy are really great for resolving issues that you may may or may not remember. Um, and that I'll, can also bring those up. Uh, my first uh, session of hypnotherapy was one of those. It was something that had been affecting me that I completely forgot about. And it wasn't um, traumatic in that it like made things worse that I remembered, but it was almost like Jerry's into like, oh, no wonder this makes sense now. And also through hypnotherapy, we were able to work through it and find forgiveness and find peace around it. And after that session, my anxiety was pretty much gone. Um, I had been having massive panic attacks, massive anxiety. I went through that session, figured out why, and then it was just released. So for my personal testimony experience from Jerry's and from many, many people, yes, trauma that you're too young to remember or that you just forgot about, maybe didn't think it was as big of an issue. It can absolutely affect you and it can absolutely be resolved. I think that obviously talk therapy is not going to help with those because you don't remember, so you can't talk about it. But things like hypnotherapy and EMDR are possible or plant medicines. And it's, you know, that is up to you to decide what works for you, what you want to try, what you want to explore. I wouldn't say that anybody has to do that kind of things, but 
it can work and it's helped a lot of people. So ayahuasca ceremonies and, you know, making sure you're doing it in a safe, controlled environment can be something that's really possibly very beneficial to you. But again, safe environment with professionals and knowing what they're doing. Um, This is a really great one that I've really debated on as well. Uh, The question is, do you feel like talking about problems constantly makes you think about it more? And the next one was, at what point are you just hammering on the past and not moving on? And these are two very, very good ones that I think comes down to having a good therapist. I never feel like I am talking about problems constantly and thinking about it more. Um, I do think when you talk about problems constantly, it does make you think about it more and it does bring more into your life. I think a good therapist and a good counselor or a good coach, you're going to bring those problems and they are going to flip it on you and have you think about it in a different way and try to make some resolutions around those. If you're just going to talk and just bitch and it's just a bitch session, that's not a good therapist. That you could do with a girlfriend over a drink at a bar. A therapist should go, cool, that's nice. That Those are all great thoughts, but okay, what's your part in this? What's your responsibility? What can you do differently? Here's a book to read. How about we try this? How about we do some hypnotherapy on that? How about we do some tapping on that? How about we do some EMDR on that? How about we, all of these things, there's a lot of resources and tools that a therapist should be giving you. They should not just be letting you talk about the same thing over and over. And ultimately, if you're talking about the same thing over and over, likely you're talking about another person and you can't change another person. So the only thing you could change is you and a therapist should help you learn how to change how you're showing up in whatever relationship it is. And that's ultimately all they can do. And someone actually did say, I love counseling, but struggled to put the recommendations to work. How can you commit? So that goes into what I'm saying is the counselor is going to give you recommendations, things to do, things to try. If you struggle putting them into work, you have to ask yourself, are you more attached to being right and more attached to holding on to the hurt and to the pain? Or are you willing to commit to healing and moving on and moving forward? Because ultimately, I feel like if you're going to counseling, you want to commit to your own healing and moving forward because it's expensive. And I don't want to, at least personally, I don't want to spend $130 an hour to just feel good about being angry. I don't want to go to a counselor just to be like, see, I should be pissed and there are no good men and my husband did cheat on me and this is like, no, I'm going there so I can work through that shit and let it go. So it may be a chance, it may be not time for you to go to counseling yet or just to ask yourself the question, am I more committed to my healing or am I more committed to being right or hanging on to the pain? And a lot of times we are more committed to being right and hanging on to the pain. And that's fine. Just be aware of it because counseling will not fix you. You have to fix yourself. Counseling is a tool. Therapy is a tool. It's a person who can help bounce things back off of you and give you ideas and give you strategies. But ultimately, you have to go home with the strategies and do them. Um, I remember my parents went to, you know, their marital counseling and they told my mom had to do certain things for my dad and my dad had to do certain things for my mom. And then they went home and they could have just gone back to whatever the hell they were doing, their old behaviors. And it happens. It happens a lot. Um, At some point you have to go, cool, why are we doing this? What's the point anymore? If the therapist is suggesting this and I'm not taking the suggestions, then maybe I don't need to go anymore. You know, I don't, I don't really know what to say to that, except that's really a you issue and a hard conversation with yourself on, can you commit to what you really want? And are you just trying to find someone to agree with you on why you're stuck? You know, if I went because I'm like, dang, I'm so stuck with my finances and I just don't think that um, men want somebody who can 
make more money than them. And I'm going to, I keep finding guys like that. And if I keep showing up every single week, like, see, I went on another date and this guy, he doesn't want anybody making more money than him. It's like, okay, then Danny, you're not doing the work. You don't want to get better. And you just want the counselor to say, yeah, you're right, honey. That does happen. But a good counselor should basically call you on your bullshit a little bit, I think. And, um, yeah, I think that's important for me. When I find a good counselor, I want somebody who can call me out of my stuff. And I think more so because I've done so much personal development and so much work that I can easily fool myself or convince myself I'm doing all the things when I'm not. And so I need somebody who can be like, mm, mm, okay, sister, not so fast. So yes, uh, it's not easy. Maybe for you, you need to write it down. Maybe you need more accountability. Maybe you need to see a counselor more than once a week. If you're finding, if you're struggling with the recommendations, maybe there's too much time in between and you forget. So sometimes um, at the beginning of something, you might need to see somebody two, three times a week and then, and then start cutting back to once a week and then maybe twice a month and then once a month, um, like for maintenance, you know, it's like chiropractic or something. You start off doing more and then as you get better and as you heal, you do less and less. So potentially, if that's a big issue, maybe you go more. And the next question was, how do you know when you're done? And I kind of addressed that earlier, which was, you know, if you've kind of worked through the issue, you may maybe came in for a certain issue, a specific reason. I feel like after maybe a couple sessions where you're just like, you're coming in and you're like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. And you bring up a, a thing here or there and like you maybe waste two hours, two or three sessions and it's time. You'll know. I think sometimes you know when you know or or it's just time to move on to someone different because maybe their skill set isn't working with you anymore. Um, let's see. Somebody asked if I'd done EMDR. What do I think about it? So I kind of addressed that. Uh, and somebody also said they're interested in hypnotherapy. Can I recommend any good ones? So I, the only person I can highly recommend, uh, I went to a guy in Utah named William Wood. I found him on Groupon and he was amazing. I feel like there are people in your area and you can always Google hypnotherapy in your area. Maybe if your insurance covers that, that's awesome. But my friend Grace Smith, she wrote a book called Close Your Eyes, Get Free. Um, she has a, she, she teaches hypnotherapists and certifies them. And so if you go to her website, I believe it's gshypnosis.com. Uh, GS is Grace Smith. Um, or just Google Grace Smith Hypnosis. She has therapists that are certified by her. And she has been my personal hypnotherapist. Um, I've also worked with one of her, her registered therapists, Kim Register. But you can look on her website and I would really trust, um, trust anyone. And they do remotely as well. So you can do hypnotherapy over the phone, over Skype, which is kind of fun. And how do you convince friends and family to go. That is a tricky one. Um, I think Jill might have a better answer to this question than I would. I don't think you can convince anybody to go. Um, I think you can suggest. I think you can recommend. I think you can maybe pass along the podcast and just be like, hey, listen to this. What do you think? I think you could pass along articles. I think you can make subtle suggestions like, oh my gosh, my friend went to therapy and she's like doing so amazing and like just like drop giant hints. But I'm not sure you can necessarily convince someone unless your relationship is super tight. Um, I will say with uh, Jeff, my boyfriend right now, we talked about it and there were some issues. You know, he actually went through um, infidelity in his 
first marriage as well. And so he's had some insecurities around me. It's kind of funny. uh, Speaking of trust issues, like he had some insecurities around me. um, And it's fair and it's valid. But I was like, listen, I don't want to be punished for what your ex-wife did to you. And and the same token, I don't want to punish you for what my ex-wife, my ex-husband did to you, to me. And so I'm working actively to make sure I don't do that. And I would like to see you do that as well. And he recognized that and realized that. And I think he's going to, I think he's doing better help as well. I think he's using better help. So he's actually working on some of his own stuff in his own counseling. And it was um, a suggestion. He had mentioned it before and I was like, yeah, maybe you should. So it was kind of both of us. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I told him he had to or anything like that. But I think a light conversation around it, maybe it needs to be brought up a handful of times before someone, you know, goes all in on it. And then I think just um, being very supportive and also not going like, (laughs) I think sometimes we, we have our friend or family member go to counseling. And as soon as they get back from their first session, we're just like, cool, are you fixed? How did it go? What happened? Are you better now? And it's like, no, you have to be very uh, gentle. Um, I wouldn't ask a lot of questions. I wouldn't be like, what did you guys talk about? Because it is confidential. I would be very supportive. Like, hey, I would like, you know, I think what Jeff did with me has been really amazing. He's made it a priority. He's like, hey, make sure you, you schedule it and I'll help you get there. So if you can make it as easy as possible for the person, like, hey, I'll give you a ride. Um, if you were just are there for them, not asking questions after sessions, not expecting immediate change, that's the best way you can help friends or family uh, go see a counselor or get therapy. And the last one, um, this was actually suggested by my daughter, Courtney, and I love it because it's so important. She said to mention some resources like therapy, therapy type options when you have limited funds or no insurance. This is something that is so, it's heartbreaking to me. And it's, um, we did mention it a little bit in the Kelsey Heenan episode on mental health. It's frustrating to me. And this is something I, I don't know, maybe I'll get on a soapbox a bit, but it's not, it's so important. It is part of honestly living a healthy life is keeping your brain healthy, your thoughts healthy. And when you're sick or you, you need a doctor, we have insurance to cover that. There's medicine to cover that. But when we are struggling mentally, we don't have that same kind of coverage. And for me, um, I, when I was 15, I was supposed to go to an inpatient eating disorder clinic and our insurance completely ran out. My, our uh, mental health insurance completely ran out and mental health is very expensive for me to go to this clinic. It was a thousand dollars a day. Our cap on our insurance was $30,000. And so that would get me 30 days and they wanted me there for nine months to a year. So as you can see, that was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, or at least, you know, over 50, 60, $70,000. That's not some pocket change that people just have. Most people need to get a loan for that amount of money. And I feel like I had dragged on with these issues longer and for many more years than I probably needed to because I wasn't able to get that really in-depth help when I when I wanted to and when I needed it because strictly because of finances. And so I am very, very um, aware of it and I'm very sensitive to it. And even right now, uh, I I have some insurance, but I looked outside of my network because I just wanted somebody who, you know, did what I wanted. And to be honest, I can't afford it, but I can't not afford it, right? It's like $130 an hour. 
nobody really has it just lying around. It's just like not the extra kind of thing you have. But I also got to a point where I was like, I need this and I, it's important for me moving forward that I do it now instead of wait. Um, that being said, there are uh, a lot of options and I don't know about small towns. I know big cities, I, I've been really blessed to live in some bigger cities that have more resources. Uh, California, you can look up, I would just like Google these things like free mental health clinics, um, family counseling services. A lot of counties offer family counseling services like reduced or low income. Um, you might have to show them pay stubs. Even if you're on Medicaid or if you're uninsured, I would see if you can get and qualify for Medicaid or Medi-Cal. Uh, I don't know if, I guess it's Medi-Cal in California. Um, but me being self-employed two years ago, I was basically living off of all the money from my old business and selling things. And so I had money coming in, but I didn't really have any to show for. And I was hospitalized for a blood thing. Um, and they, in the moment, just signed me up for Medi-Cal. And so I was able to get on, it's basically like California's Medi Medicaid, I want to say. And so I was able to get um, temporary insurance through that. And I know that they also provided counseling um medication resources like that completely free when you apply so it may take some paperwork um but i would look i would just do some searches know that it's out there it is not as easy i will not lie it's not that easy but don't let that stop you because there are ways i also do know that just like lawyers they a certain time um I think a lot of lawyers have to give a certain number of hours per month of free legal advice. I believe a lot of counselors do as well. So look into that. BetterHelp is also a pretty relatively inexpensive option. I want to say it's $35 a week, or at least it used to be. So um, it might be more if you do a one-on-one -on -one session like on a Skype, but around $140 a month if you're doing the messaging back and forth, which I think is very affordable seeing as I'm paying $130 for one hour. But do some research in your city or your county and Google free mental health resources, Google uh, low cost, low income counseling services, Google uh, family counseling, those kind of keywords and search terms, make some phone calls and just ask. I think if you can get in somewhere for like $30, it's a pretty good discounted rate. I would say probably across the board nationally average is going to be about 60 to $80 um, an hour. Um, if you're in California, New York, probably a little bit more, you might go up to 150 to $200 an hour. But I would say average like 50 to 80. So just to give you an idea. So I hope this was really helpful for you. Um, if you have more questions, I would love to have them on the Instagram uh, stories or in our private Facebook group. Our Facebook group is amazing. If you go to thebestlifepodcast.com, there's a lot of great conversations. And that's actually a really great place to post because you might get some people who live in your city or town or who know and could chime in besides just me because I don't have all the answers. And I would love to actually get a therapist on here to talk more about some of the things I mentioned before, the different types of therapy, EMDR, hypnotherapy, CBT, family-based therapy, all of those things so you guys can get a better idea. So if you would like that or if you have a recommendation of somebody who's just amazing, um, let us know and we'll try to get them as an interview. And I just want to thank you guys for being interested in this, for letting me talk about it and for having an open conversation about things that 
maybe most people don't want to talk about. So love you guys. Make sure you subscribe. Please leave a review. We've been getting a few more lately. Love them. Um, love it when you post on our Instagram. We always reshare those and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.